0: Good morning to each of you, and greetings in Jesus' name. The one whose face we desire to see. I really appreciated that hymn as it expresses a lot of the the thoughts that have gone through my mind in the last short period of time. It's good to be together with you, brothers and sisters, fellow travelers of the journey. There's something about meeting together. It seems like it's it's been a while since I've been here on Sunday morning. It hasn't been that long, and yet the connection is is valuable. And and I think. Uh, God it expects us to to draw strength from meeting together. This past week I have seemingly I don't know, it's been a busy week, a full week, a lot of different experiences, a lot of of ups and downs, perhaps literally and figuratively. But as I pondered what to, to share this morning, God brought a, a verse, a text to me. And that is in Psalm 103, verse 14. Psalm 103 verse 14 says, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. So as we think of of that verse, I have a question, and that is, what does God expect of you? What does God expect of you? A title perhaps could be encouraged in the Lord. This week on Thursday afternoon, Brent and Jordan and I embarked on a journey that took us from grottoes up across Brown's Gap and down the other side of the Blue Ridge Mountains. We had a destination in mind. Our, our camping plans were a bit vague and ended up being a little bit less than glamorous. Uh, the destination was, was sure, but the route was a bit unsure. And it took us a little longer than we anticipated. And that set a backdrop to some of the thoughts I have here this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to First Kings nineteen. Again, just keep in your mind the text verse, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. And the question, what does God expect of you? Reading here in 1 Kings 19 verses 1 to 4, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with, withal how he had slain all the prophets of the, with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. This scene in the life of Elijah is, is such a paradox. Because in, in the second definition in the, the American Heritage Dictionary says a person, thing, or situation that exhibits inexplicable or contradictory aspects. And I see that here in the life of Elijah we, he had He had just, just come off of a wonderfully exhilarating experience. If you, you think about this man, he was a great prophet. The weather was manipulated by his prayers. God miraculously provided for him. At his petition, the child was raised from the dead. He had a reputation for being divinely protected. And I've got a few E words and I, I don't have a, a, a sermon outline with, with five points all, all together perfectly, but I do have some E words as I was coming here. I, I, the words here, eloquent, effective, and elusive. Perhaps to describe a bit of his, his ministry. And then there's that exciting demonstration on, on Mount Carmel. That fire of God fell. He was vindicated in his, his faith in God. The prophets of Baal were slain. God sent rain. And then we have these verses that we just read. It goes from this eloquent, effective, elusive, and excited man to being exhausted. Probably one of the lowest points in his life. How did he reach this point in such a short time? Have you ever been there? Are you there now? we each face different obstacles we we see different things but we are on the same journey God has given us the need and desire and ability to be busy we must provide for our physical needs there's always work to do some of us find it easier to know how to handle that than others, and where to draw the line and stop. Sometimes we find the tasks of life overwhelming, the responsibilities, the cares. And there's no way that we can do all that we're expected to do. And maybe we ask, what is God thinking? How does he expect me to do it all? Maybe there's difficult situations or relationships that are straining my very mental stability. We can face those times of of just, where do we go from here? Elijah was, was at the end of his rope as he looked and saw Jezebel's threat He was ready to give up. We continue reading 1 Kings 19 verse 9, and he came thither to a cave. I think it, in the meantime there, God woke him up, gave him food and sent him and said, go to the mountain of God. It says, and he came into a cave and lodged there and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and he stood in the entering in of the cave. Behold, there came a voice and said unto, unto him and said, "'What doest thou here, Elijah?' And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. When thou comest anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of abel shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees of which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. What was God's answer to Elijah's situation and quandary? I would say, in part, the first part of verse thirteen, and so it was, and it was so when Elijah heard the voice of the, or heard these, the presence of God in a way, the 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 demonstration of God's power. It says that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood at the entering end of the cave. I believe Elijah came to a place of worship just opening himself to the reality of who God is. Realizing that God was so much bigger than he was, he saw, as it were, the face of God. We just sang that song, Show Me Thy Face. That's where we draw strength. That's where we draw sustenance. You know, God remembers that we are dust. And when these situations and these times come in our life, know that God knoweth our frame. And He will not call us to do more than we can handle. Granted, we have choices. We have decisions to make that affect our situations in life. But God knows. And God will give us the strength as we look to him. God brought Elijah to this place of worship, and then he gave him some simple directions to follow. And I believe he went from that man that was exhausted and and discouraged to a place of encouragement. And he went forward and he he went on his way and and fulfilled God's task that he had given. There's another verse in in 1 Samuel, chapter 30, verse 6. Here David and the company, the group that was with him, had fallen on really rough times. They were living in Ziklag and had gone out with, I believe it was the Philistines, and they they were going to actually tag along in the fight against Israel, and the Philistines didn't let them go, and they came back in Ziklag. Their town, their possessions, their families were gone. And it says in in verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. It was a a rough time. It says that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And I don't know what all that looked like. I don't know what all David did, but I think a lot of it isn't something so much we do is to stop and to realize that God knoweth our free. He sees where we're at. He sees what we're going through. And he remembers that we are but dust. As we were hiking, I knew that at one point we were going to be going a bit further than, than we really wanted to and Jordan had carried his pack. He had a pretty heavy pack for his size, and he carried it to the top of the mountain and partway over the other side. But I offered to carry his pack because I suspected that to reach the goal, he wasn't going to be able to make it, continuing like he was. And I would would like to think that that is... like God. There's times we just can't see how we can take another step. you know we have to give it up we have to say okay God I'll let you turn to Psalm 103 again I'd like to read this the entirety of this psalm I have written in my Bible beside this, someone had called this God's benefit package. This is a psalm of encouragement in the Lord. It's a call to worship God. It has reminders of God's goodness and care and our response to that. Psalm 103 Thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He hath made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth, for the wind passeth over it and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We see here God's wonderful works to us. He forgives and cleanses us. He's a God of justice, a God of righteousness, but we see here how much, how many times his mercy is expressed. He doesn't deal with us after our sins or in his justice, he provides a way for us to to be right with him. The beautiful picture, of a gracious God, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He doesn't hold our sins over us. He removes them. How far is the east from the west? Some of you children, you know this, you you maybe learn your directions east and west. How far is it from the east to the west? If you're in the east and you head west, when do you get there? You ever get to the West? No, nope, you just keep going around. You never get there. That's how far God removes our sins from us as we come and confess and, and, and desire to be righteous He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Our days are very fleeting. Grass grows usually for a season. A growing season, an animal may come and take a chomp and it springs back. But it's short-lived. In the winter, the grass is gone. A flower of the field is even more brief. Some flowers come out during the day. And by evening, they're gone. There's a, the, the chicory plant is one I find so interesting because, and I, and I haven't analyzed it too closely, but you go out mid-morning on a sunny day, and the, the field of chicory will be blue. Right beside our house, there's a patch of it. And it's brilliant, that light blue. You go out in the evening, and there's no color there. The next morning, early, there's no color there. And it's like, I thought these plants were in bloom. A couple hours later, it's blue again. Every day, it sets a new flower. Our lives are fleeting. God knows that. And the contrast is that God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. And again, this phrase, upon them that fear him. We can know that God does not change. God will be merciful to us. He was merciful to our parents, our grandparents, our forefathers. And as time continues, he will be merciful and faithful to our children and our children's children. To those that keep his commandments, keep his covenant. And our response to that is worship. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what the Lord is is allowing in your life. What burden you're carrying. What pack you need to let go of. what What encouragement you need. But I would encourage you with these words of God's mercy, of God's God's unfailing love and compassion and encourage you to worship as you consider that. I'd like to open it up. If there's something that you would like to share of something that you need to let the Lord carry, or perhaps there's something recently that God has carried for you. A way in which God has remembered your, your condition of frailty or something that you sense in your heart and you would like to share that this morning.
1: work to do. He didn't follow him out. He asked him a question. And that question helped him analyze his situation. But what he told you to go anoint Hazel to be king, anoint Jehu to be king, and another prophet in your place. Do you think that put him in any better graces in the situation he was in when he was running from Cain, from Jezebel. I mean That was just putting him right back into the uh, fire again. And yet, from that experience, he, you don't see him hesitating. He, he got his strength. He went. And you know, that's a real blessing to me when you face these times uh, and are honest about it. Uh, here it is this is the way I feel God answers it really didn't give me a level of work with him, but it it's an all strength in and God and just a real blessing
0: thank you for that God didn't change the situation so much as changed his perspective in the situation
2: along with what Wade was saying, I noticed too in the story of Elijah when he first fled Instead, he found himself under a tree, a juniper tree. tree. Somebody noticed one time whenever there's a man under a, a tree in the Bible, he's usually in trouble. So maybe there's trees we've been under in that way before. But the thing I noticed was that an angel came and, and gave him some food there, and kind of a humbly sat in he he had a cake and I guess a fire and anyway, like David said, he prepared a table for him in the presence of his enemies, or in that wilderness setting. He told him to eat, and rise and eat. Elijah ate, went back to sleep, and the angel woke him up again. And said, "Eat, because the journey is more than you can take." God knows that along with what you've been saying. I'm not trying to re-preach your sermon or anything. And it said he went in the strength of that meat for 40 days and 40 nights. That stood out to me, just that little bit of help from God. It went a long way, and it was a supernatural. It was a supernatural strength. Because who can go 40 days and 40 nights, no matter what you eat? But he did give him that sustenance in a natural way, and we need that, God God knows we need a certain amount to restore not just our souls, but our bodies,
0: as you, as you journey through the days of dead, burden is is great, God is there, Knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust, I had to think of the the poem, and I, I don't have it here to read, but the footprints in the sand, it's one very many of us know well. The two sets of footprints, but when the tough times came, there was only one set, and the question was, why, God, did you leave me in the tough times? And the answer was, it's when I carried you.